Another deadly sin that we want to explore in this episode is the traitor known as worry. But first, did you know that Time of Grace has an app? If you want to change a pace and want to grow in your faith by watching our videos instead of listening to our podcasts, you can do that on our app. You'll also find our videos that take you deep into God's Word, from our daily Grace Talks video devotions, to Pastor Mike's weekly message series, to Pastor Jeremy's Bible Basics series called Bible Breath, to many more. Just search Time of Grace wherever you get your apps. The Bible is incredibly interconnected with threads that run through it from beginning to end. In this podcast, I will uncover these threads, help you dig deeper into God's truth, and inspire you to live your life with greater confidence and joy. Welcome to Bible Threads with me, Dr. Bruce Becker. Do you ever worry? According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, worry is defined as mental distress or agitation resulting from concern usually for something impending or anticipated. Worry is closely related to anxiety, which is also characterized by mental distress or agitation. Worry and anxiety are essentially the two sides of the same coin, and they are both the opposite of trust. Merriam-Webster defines trust as the assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. Assured reliance is the opposite of worry. But what's the difference between worry and having concern, which certainly isn't a deadly sin? Well, it's really the difference between fact and fiction. Worry is based upon the fiction that problems will inevitably result in a negative outcome. Concern is more fact-based and focuses on solving whatever problem or challenge exists. And there's another difference between worry and concern. The difference is what each can lead to. Worry can lead to not thinking straight. It can result in anxiously dwelling on the problem. It can even lead to panic. And there's medical evidence that worry can lead to health problems, both physical and emotional. Concern, on the other hand, focuses our attention on what the problem is and where we can find the solution to the problem. Worry results in a feeling of hopelessness. Concern results in a feeling of hopefulness. So let's take a look at what the Bible says about worry and then some examples of people in the Bible who struggled with worry. Dealing with worry is a Bible thread throughout the Old and New Testaments. Let's say you have a dear friend who is struggling with worry. Do you have a go-to place in the Bible to suggest to that person, a place where they can find hope and assurance? If you don't, may I suggest Psalm 34. It's a psalm written by David, and it's a go-to psalm for worry, both because of what David wrote, 
as well as the backstory to this psalm. If you open up your Bible to Psalm 34, you will find an inscription at the beginning of the psalm that reads, Concerning David, when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. So, what's this backstory involving David all about? First, you can find it in 1 Samuel chapter 21. At this point in David's life, he had been anointed as the next king of Israel. But he wasn't king yet. Saul was still king, and David was on the run, a fugitive, because Saul had his soldiers pursuing David to kill him. One day, David left Israel and headed to the city of Gath, one of the five Philistine cities located west of Israel. Now, we're not told specifically why David went to Gath, but it seems that he thought being in the city of a sworn enemy was actually safer than staying in Israel with Saul trying to kill him. Now, if that was his reasoning, then it demonstrated a weakness, a weakness of worry, a failure to trust God's sure promise that he would succeed Saul as king, because that's what the Lord God had promised. David, you will be king. David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. And this is what we read in 1 Samuel. But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. So he feigned insanity. And in their presence and while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Achish said to his servants, Look at the man. He is insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen? that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Achish wanted nothing to do with David. So David was able to leave Gath and return to Israel. David's fear of Achish ended up being greater than his worry about what Saul was threatening to do to him. Did you happen to catch an apparent contradiction in what I just shared with you? Again, what was the inscription? of Psalm 34, concerning David when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. But 1 Samuel indicated that Achish was the king of Gath, before whom David feigned insanity. Have we discovered a contradiction in the Bible? No, we haven't. The name Abimelech was a royal title, similar to president or prime minister or even Pharaoh. The word Abimelech literally means father king or ruler. In reality, Achish was the Abimelech of the Philistine city of Gath. So back to Psalm 34. David wrote this psalm as he reflected on the time in his life when he was worried and on the run from Saul, as well as his brief but nerve-wracking stay in Gath. I imagine David was looking in the mirror when he wrote this psalm, but that he wrote it also for believers of all time who at times struggle with worry. 
There's so much comfort to be found in the 22 verses of this psalm. Let's consider a few of them. Verse 4, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Verses 6 to 9, This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. And finally, verses 15 to 19. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Whenever you and I struggle with worry, we can go to Psalm 34 and meditate on it. Putting our complete trust in God is the remedy for worry. King David wrote another psalm about his misadventure in Gath. It's Psalm 56. The inscription of this psalm reads, For the director of music, to the tune of A Dove on Distant Oaks, of David, a Mictam, when the Philistines had seized him in Gath. Interesting, don't you think? The psalm was to be sung to the tune of another song by the name of a dove on distant oaks. And by the way, a mictam is likely a literary or musical term. So let's read a few portions of this psalm. And as I do, picture for yourself David on the run from King Saul, fleeing to the city of Gath, only to find mortal enemies also there. And then listen to how David addressed his worries, his anxiety, and his fear. He said, be merciful to me, O God, for men hotly pursue me. All day long they press their attack. My slanderers pursue me all day long. Many are attacking me in their pride. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? All day long they twist my words. They are always plotting to harm me. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, eager to take my life. On no account let them escape. In your anger, O God, bring down the nations. And then a few verses later, Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I will know that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Psalm 56 provides the remedy for worry, anxiety, and fear in four short words. In God I trust. Another psalm that offers a remedy for worry is Psalm 94. This psalm is one in a series that focuses on the Lord God ruling the world and ruling the nations. The psalmist wrote, When I said, My foot is slipping, your love, O Lord, supported me. 
When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. Can a corrupt throne be allied with you, one that brings on misery by its decrees? They band together against the righteous and condemn the innocent to death? But the Lord has become my fortress, and my God the rock in whom I take refuge. The psalmist reminds us that worry and anxiety will subside when we live in the fortress of our God and take refuge in Him. Although there are many psalms that address worry, anxiety, and fear, let's just look at one more. Psalm 46. In the inscription to this psalm, we learn that it was written by the sons of Korah. There are 11 psalms in the Bible that are attributed to the sons of Korah, and they all have something in common. All 11 express a sense of great gratitude and humility to a powerful and awesome God. These 11 psalms all express devotion and a deep sense of longing for God. So, who were the sons of Korah? Well, they were descendants of Korah who lived during the time of Moses. Korah, along with Dathan and Abiram, had recruited at that time 250 men to rebel against Moses as they were traveling in the wilderness on their way to the Promised Land. To squelch the rebellion, the Lord God opened up the ground to swallow the rebels and their families. Now, the Bible doesn't give us the details, but it seems that there were some members of Korah's family that had not rebelled and therefore weren't swallowed up in the earth. That's because God had a purpose and a plan for even the descendants of the rebel Korah. You see, seven generations later, God called the prophet Samuel to serve his people. Samuel was a descendant of Korah and known as Korahites. The Korahites were the doorkeepers and custodians of the tabernacle. And around the time of David, the Korahites became leaders in worship, singers and instrument players, and they composed songs, known to us as psalms, Psalm 46 being one of them. Psalm 46 encourages us to put our our hope and trust in God, to have confidence in His power and providence, and to rely on His gracious presence with His church, even in the worst of times. You may know this already, but I, I want to mention that it was Psalm 46 that inspired the reformer Martin Luther to compose the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Here's a few stanzas from this powerful song. God is our refuge and strength, and ever-present help in trouble. A few verses later, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. With the Lord God as our fortress, why is there any reason to worry? The New Testament also has much to say about worry. Early in his ministry, Jesus addressed the subject of this deadly sin. You'll discover his teaching in Matthew chapter 6. Therefore I tell you, 
Do not worry about your, your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Jesus teaches us that there's no reason to worry. So does the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Christians living in Rome. He wrote, Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so does the Apostle Peter, who wrote, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. One of the Bible's most frequent ways of addressing worry, anxiety, and fear is with the phrase, fear not, or don't be afraid, depending on what translation of the Bible you use. And did you know that some people claim that the phrase, fear not, occurs 365 times in the Bible, suggesting that there is a fear not passage for every day in the calendar year. Even Rick Warren has suggested that God encourages Christians to fear not 365 times in the Bible. Now, I might be missing something, but I can't find 365 occurrences of the concept of fear not in the Bible. Even the King James Version of the Bible, which uses fear not a ton, only has 170 occurrences of the phrase. So can I ask you a favor? If you have or run across a listing of the 365 occurrences of fear not in the Bible, if there are such, please email them to me at bruce at timeofgrace.org. So, who were some individuals in the Bible that struggled with worry? One person who comes to mind was the servant of the prophet Elisha. Here's the situation. The king of Aram, by the way, the country of Aram was also known as the country of Syria. Anyway, the king of Aram was waging war against Israel. He would set up his army camp in various places trying to ambush Israel's army. 
each time he did, the prophet Elisha would inform the king of Israel where the army of Aram was, so he could avoid confronting Aram's army. And this frustrated the king of Aram. When the king learned that Elisha was the one informing on his army's location, because God told him where it was, he ordered his men to find out where Elisha was staying so he could capture him. Well, Elisha was staying in the town of Dothan. So the king of Aram took his army and surrounded the city with his horses and chariots one night. The next morning, Elisha's servant went outside and saw that an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, to be honest, if I woke up and saw my town surrounded by horses and chariots, or tanks and missiles, an army that had come to capture the person I served, I'd be more than just concerned. I'd be worried and afraid. I admit it. Wouldn't you? But here's an account in the Bible that reminds us that the Lord God is always in control and that he can protect us even in miraculous ways. There are other individuals in the Old Testament who struggled with worry, anxiety, and fear. There are the three J's, Job, Jonah, and Jeremiah. Nehemiah was another. Ruth and Naomi struggled with it too. So did Mordecai and Esther. But probably the most well-known worrier in the Bible was Martha, who lived with her sister Mary and her brother Lazarus in the town of Bethany, just a couple miles from Jerusalem. She's probably the most well-known because Jesus directly addressed her worry. One day, Jesus was invited to dinner at the home of his three dear friends. Martha was focused on meal preparation and getting ready to serve the meal. If Jesus were coming to your house, you'd want everything perfect, wouldn't you? Be honest. As Martha was busy in the kitchen, Mary was quietly listening to Jesus speak. This brought Martha some serious anxiety, as I'm sure you can relate to. Luke's account of Jesus' life and ministry tells us, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus reminds us that although there is nothing wrong with meal preparation, being filled with worry and anxiety about it or anything else can lead to a traitorous attitude and approach to life traitors. More than just the seven deadly sins, they're the attitudes that can betray our relationship with our God, with others, and with ourselves. 
In our next and final episode in this series, we'll explore the traitor known as apathy. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, please email me at bruce at timeofgrace.org. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and God bless.